Hey, this is Carlos GGS, we Guitar God Secrets. Welcome back to the show. Today we're going to talk about something pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool anyways, because if you're playing any kind of metal, and I'm assuming a lot of guys out there are doing a little bit of metal, I think every man has a little bit of metal in him somewhere. Some some bone in your body is actually made of titanium, and you got to get that metal out. And to play that metal, you got to have certain skills. A lot of guys don't appreciate the kind of skills you need to have to play heavy metal uh, beyond, you know, like they just think you turn up the distortion, which covers up all your mistakes, which, by the way, is one of the biggest myths, I think, of metal, because having the distortion up and the gain up so loud, you can hear a lot more than you normally can. Uh, the only thing you really don't hear quite as much is if you're... Um, your note happens to be just a little bit uh, poorly fretted. Sometimes you can get away with it because the distortion, the compression, and the gain can make up for it. But I think by and large it's kind of a myth that having the heavy sound covers up a lot of mistakes. Not always. And if you are any kind of metal musician, which I know you might be out there, you're probably also knowing that you got to play every so often with that gain turned down. Just play with a straight, clean, unadulterated, unaffected guitar tone. Use that for your exercises. Use that for things you're working on, whether it's uh, drills you're doing or uh, any any particular type of exercise you're trying to accomplish or bring up to speed. You should be doing it clean just to hear what's going on between your fingers and among your fingers. But after that, you can, of course, crank it up. But today, I want to talk about something pretty cool called choking. No, I'm not talking about that thing you want to do to uh, uh, the lady next door who's been throwing out cat poop in your garbage i'm talking about the thing that you got to do to make your guitar sound good when you are playing with a high gain setting let me give you an example of poor choking okay i'm just going to play a little uh, a little something something here and see if i can it's hard because i don't like to try to flub something up it's like the old uh rule in martial arts is you never practice a failing scenario <laughs> so because some of the things you practice involve screwing something up in order to compensate i don't like practicing that because it embeds a bad habit in you but this that's why i'm doing this for the sake of example and for the sake of showing you <laughs> Now, you might not be able to tell, or maybe you did, <clears throat> but I think that was pretty sloppy. It was a little sloppy because I wasn't paying attention to how other strings were were being picked and how other strings were being choked or turned off, basically. Some people just call it dampening the strings. Some people just call it muting the strings or palm muting the strings. I call it choking in certain occasions because actually choking is two different things. Choking can be turning off a note or stopping a note before it rings uh, in a lot of ways. But it can also be just learning how to control the output of your strings in general. Okay, so there's palm muting, which is a very specific technique of choking, and then there's the actual act of stopping those those uh, strings from ringing. In other words, I could play this, which is an A minor chord. Uh, I'm pretty much choking it down to where it doesn't ring out. If I let it ring open. Sounds pretty good, actually. Um, but if I don't, if I, for whatever reason, I'm lazy with my bar with my first finger across the fifth fret, that's one of those cases where having the gain turned up is uh, a good thing because you can't hear the string that I'm not able to pick. It actually gets muted out. But what I want you to do with your your scales is something like this. Let's do an A minor scale at the fifth fret. And that 
was uh, three note per string, so I shifted up slightly for the last notes. So five seven eight on the low E, five seven eight on the A, five seven nine on the D, five seven nine on the G, six eight ten on the B, seven eight ten on the high E. Okay. Now, if I don't use choking, or if I don't uh, mute the strings correctly, this is what you hear. And what happens there is that a string that I'm picking, uh, especially when you have the gain turned up high, you're going to get these squared off waveforms. Basically, when you distort a guitar, all you're doing is you're, you're taking that nice rounded um, sound wave. If you've ever looked at an oscilloscope showing you the waveform or the what a sound wave looks like, it's just a really nice, smooth, gentle hill, right? Uh, and same thing, a little valley right after it. So it forms this nice, perfect wave. Now, a sine wave is the perfect tone. It doesn't have any distortion or really any character to it. Well, when you distort a guitar, what you're doing is you're kind of chopping off the tops of those waves and you're making them squared off the top. Uh, in reality, it actually becomes something of a shark tooth. They call it the shark tooth pattern but i'm not gonna get too deep in the technicalities with you just realize that if you're not choking those strings off what's happening is it, when your distortion interferes between two strings that aren't um the the interval isn't a let's just say a good one it's going to sound weird like if i accidentally let the low e ring out after i pluck uh all the way up to the eighth fret on the a listen to this hear that right it's really kind of odd it sounds a little bit off because i'm playing the low e with what the f sharp at the eighth fret which is a really weird interval it's a bad interval it's a dissonant interval and it doesn't sound good even when distorted so it has that weird kind of i don't know i don't want to i don't know how to describe it in a lot of ways other than the tritone so what do we do how do we fix this Basically, you got to keep your right hand across the strings. Uh, palm mute, of course, is the way we do it. But you also got to know when to release it and open it up. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick the 5, 7, 8 on the low E. With no muting. And then I want you to mute it down to where it's only this. So you got this. Bringing open, and then you've got this. And if I move my palm up the string, meaning I, I move my shift my right hand up towards the the top of the neck, then what happens is I get even harsher uh, percussive sound. And the more I shift it down towards the base of this or the the bridge. Which leads me to actually to a very cool effect. Pull off from the 8 to the 5 to the open on the low E. And then hammer on back up. Okay, you can do that entirely with your left hand. And this is also an exercise for choking because if you can hear the other strings, then it's not a good thing. You want to be able to control it so that you can do that hammer on pull off without ringing the other strings. Now, if I do, you want to do this really cool trick, take your right hand and move it down along the string until you hit the harmonics. And I did a kind of a slower version so you could hear it. And if you do it really fast. It 
sounds pretty cool. You can go, do a little bit of slide with the edge of your palm, give it a little bit of a sound. Uh, there you go. A little, little trick for those of you that want a little bit of uh, uh, stage madness to throw out there. So back where we were, I keep getting distracted because I remember all these cool tricks. Five, seven, eight on the low E. Open and then don't don't touch the string at all with your right palm. Gradually add the right hand palm muting. And you get the feel of how effective your right hand can be at choking and holding it off. And you want to go through the whole uh, scale this way. And when you get those high strings, as you notice, they can, uh, you're going to have a little bit more trouble there because they don't work the same way as your low three wound strings, your E, A, and D work. And it's trickier to get that percussive feel and also to get it to sound right. But it's a really good exercise because it also gives you another tool in your repertoire. Let me turn this bad boy down. Another tool in your repertoire for making your notes sound different using that uh, emotive quality of the guitar, which is we can make notes do so many things. We can bend them. We can, we can make them sound vocal by giving them vibrato. And using your tremolo, you can dive bomb the sound. I mean, there's so much expressiveness you can do with notes. That's what gives guitar its power. And it's very often said that the only thing more expressive um, possibly more expressive than a guitar is a saxophone. And I would even hesitate to debate that because there's so many different ways we've modified guitars over the last few years to give them more expressiveness. I mean, you can be turning your tone control up and down as you're playing something, uh, as you're, you know, like hammering on a chord with a left hand and give it a different sound. It's actually kind of a cool effect. Try it out. So there you go. Real cool thing you can try, uh, not only for the trick I showed you, obviously, but also to give yourself a more expressiveness, because that's really what I'm talking about here. At the low strings, yeah, you got to be able to do the... But you're also going to be able to be expressive up at the high notes when you're doing a little solo. so many different things with it that's what's good about having that kind of control you've got to have control over your notes letting them ring out or shutting them down before they get to ring out especially in metal because it's going to give you a lot more variation and a lot more control over your distorted sound as well oh and by the way one of the best bands you can listen to if you're into metal anyways to get that feel and get the understanding of that feel is metallica the way they control the um, the sound of some of the power chords they're hitting for that percussive sound and that distinctive Metallica vibe you get with the off key signatures and the uh, the different counts that are not fours, very often fives. I love that song on uh, Master of Puppets. It starts out with a one, two, one, two, three, four, five. Um, I, th I think it's uh, Leper Messiah or something like that. But it's just another example of, again, how to control your sound. And this week, I want to encourage you to Broaden your horizons. Take whatever it is you're playing. I know we were talking about playing metal earlier, but take anything. If you are a metal player, take what you're playing, turn off the distortion once in a while, and try playing it, I don't want to say unplugged, but with a more acoustic-y feel. In other words, take the song that you're playing, turn off all the effects, make it very clean-sounding, and play it that way. 
Like, I encourage you to try something like, let's just say, oh, I don't know, Master of Puppets from Metallica. Try playing that without distortion and play it with full chords instead of bar, uh, instead of the uh, power chords. Now, it's going to sound really different. I'm going to warn you that right in advance because power chords lack something very unique. What is it? They lack the third that defines the chord. In other words, they don't play the major or minor third on each chord, uh, leaving that kind of to your imagination. And that gives you some flexibility in terms of the notes you play. But at the same time, if you, if you know how to harmonize a scale and you know which chords work and don't work within that scale, uh, and then you play a real, let's just say a, they play something in E minor, and you play that as a minor chord, it's going to have a different feel to it than when you play with the power chord. And it's worth trying that to see what it sounds like. Try playing it in a different style. Try playing it in country. Try playing something in country as a metal song. Like I've had a bunch of songs that I wanted to uh, cover. If I ever had a band that wanted to do this, I thought one of the cool tunes to cover would be taking uh, Adam Ant's Stand and Deliver and turn that into a metal song. Do that. Pick a good song like that and uh, take it and turn it into a different style entirely. How would you do it? What's the chord structure? Do you know the song structure to it? How Do you know how to take that and then uh, re-engineer it into another style? That's the kind of um, broadening of your horizons that's going to make you a much better player, much faster than anybody else that's just learning how to play bands in that particular genre. I've noticed that about almost every single guitarist that is worth his weight in, uh, let's just say, Ernie Ball guitar strings can go out there and he plays things from different styles. Take somebody, for example, like Gary Hoey, who can take something and adapt, I don't know, Hocus Pocus by Focus, if you know that song, and puts it into guitar. You should check out that tune by Gary Hoey. It's a good one. It's also a good example of how to take something and adapt it over. He's done that with other tunes as well. Listening to the best guitarist, you notice that they always like to cover something a little bit weird uh, and turn it into something cool on guitar. Another great one is the theme to The Godfather, which was turned into a guitar piece by Slash from X Guns N' Roses. And by the way, his real name is Saul Hudson. Yeah, that's right. Saul Hudson is actually Slash. Uh, you can see why he went with a cool name like Slash instead, right? Oh, and while we're at it, a little more trivia about Slash. Do you know where he got his signature hat and the name Slash? First of all, keep in mind that this guy definitely grew up in an area that uh, kind of endorsed his playing music. He actually, his mom, Ola Hudson, designed costumes for John Lennon, the Pointer Sisters, and Diana Ross, believe it or not. And his father, Anthony Hudson, designed album covers for Neil Young and David Bowie. So that and the fact that the family also lived near David Geffen and Joni Mitchell, he had a little extra going on the side there, right? And if you want even more, yep, that's right, Slash's mom actually dated David Bowie in the 1970s. Kind of crazy, huh? Well, the name Slash actually came from an actor, Seymour Cassell, who used to get bugged by him left and right, and the actor would always kind of uh, you know, punch him in the side and say, Hey, Slash, where are you going? What you doing, Slash? What's up, Slash? And that was how he got the nickname. As for the top hat... He got that in 1985 when he went shopping for something memorable to wear for a show in Los Angeles. Since, of course, he was broke at the time, the line between shopping and, let's just say, shoplifting was kind of blurry. And according to him, he spotted that hat in a store called Retail Slut. Oh, gotta love that. Fell in love. So what he did was he apparently just grabbed the hat and walked out. When he got home, he realized that the hat looked a little bit plain, so he wrapped it with a belt that he had swiped. And there you go. That trademark look got set. 
And there you go. There's a week of fun and madness for you to practice. I want to give you a technique that not a lot of the other guitarists would talk about, which is that ability to take uh, the palm muting and go from wide open string to percussive pluck, pluck, pluck. And that'll give you a little extra skill, again, that not many other guitarists really pick up or figure out. And, of course, take that to the next level. Go ahead and practice your stuff on a tune that has no right being in any genre other than its own to make it fun. Take a, a TV show. I've talked about this before. Take something like a TV show or a theme or even a, a, a musical snippet like shaving a haircut two bits and play that on the guitar. How would you play that? Go ahead and figure that part out. I used to work on my cat call whistle all the time until I finally heard Steve Vai do it in that tune he did on that David Lee Roth album, Eat Him and Smile. But you know what? That's okay. At least I got that part down. Go ahead and learn these things. Try them out. Use them up. And while you're doing that, go on over to guitargodsecrets.com forward slash free video. That's guitargodsecrets.com forward slash free video. Get yourself a free video. And that's my tip to you. Of course, in that video, I'm going to show you the number one practice hack to get you playing better, faster, right now. Go on over to guitargodsecrets.com forward slash free video and also get my newsletter, of course. And I'll be talking again soon. This is Carlos GGS from guitargodsecrets.com. Live to play, play to live. GuitarGodSecrets.com, Guitar God Secrets podcast, and YouTube content, and all content herein is copyright Morpheus Productions, LLC. Feel free to contact Carlos at Carlos at GuitarGodSecrets.com. We welcome your comments, suggestions, and questions, and your donations. Live to play, play to live.